You ever play that game? I play that game all the time. I don't know, it's just the way that I'm wired, but, but I always love those, those what I would call hypothetical scenarios, if you will. If I was to get, be given a million dollars, if a million dollar gift was to come in, if someone gave it to me and said, but you have to use it for other people, what would you do? Here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to actually take a minute. I want you to turn to someone around you and whatever comes to you on the fly, I want you to share what you would do with a million bucks if you had to give it away. Make sense? Go. Now, I don't know if that quite gave you an adequate amount of time, and I'm guessing no, right? Some of you are starting to pull out like tax documents and figure out like the implications of things, but but it's kind of fun to dream about. Would you agree? Like, 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 did any of you find yourself really here or sense in the room that people are like, oh, this is a miserable thing to think about. I just like, this is just awful. I just don't even know and, and I hate the even. Did you notice in the video? Did you notice in the video how people were just kind of like excited about it? They had ideas right there. And you could almost sense that the ideas that they were sharing were just the tip of the iceberg if more millions were to flow. They were just getting going. And I got the same, the sense it was the same with you this morning. Was it? Did you find yourself that with a little bit of thought, this started to come really easy? And that the amount of good you could do was overwhelming and the joy was found in the very thought of it, right? It's fun to do, and I got good news for you. You can. Most of you actually can. Maybe not in one shot. Maybe not because someone says, here's a million dollars in one thing, and there's some contractual thing put onto it, like some will or estate going, thou, you know, like Brewster's Million, you remember that back from the 80s? If not, you're too young. <laughs> but over the course of the lifetime, you actually can. God actually has a way that you can. A process and plan that he did with ancient Israel and that I want to share with you today. Now, during the video, we set up a ladder. And I want your help with something here today. I would like to get to the top of this ladder, but I'm looking at it, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to go about doing it. So let's just do a brainstorming exercise here this morning about possible ways that I can get to the top of this ladder. What's immediately striking you? Now, there's a little bit of a blur, but I did hear one voice clearly, all right? And someone said, jump it. <laughs> Who would like to see me jump to the top of this ladder this morning? I've got to jack up my pants here a little bit. Oh, well, thank you. I can take a running jump. How gracious of you. You know, the two and a half feet here from... You guys are sick. I'm just going to say this. But I could try to jump it. Who thinks that that is probably going to end in misery? I'm just curious here. I mean, delight for you. 
right? But, but misery on this side of the stage. Okay, what's another way that maybe I can get to the top of this ladder? Push it over. <laughs> but we've heard a lot resonating here. You climb it, right? And the way you climb it is, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a tall guy. I could probably do two steps at a time. But would you recommend it? No. Would you recommend it when it's six inches from the edge of the stage? No. What is probably the best way to get up it? One single step hugging it more closely with each step at a time. It's so common sense, it doesn't need to be mentioned. But I think life is a lot like this ladder. I think most of us, in some capacity of our life, want to be in the region up here. We idealize things, we dream things, we have goals, they excite us, they get into us, don't they? Would you agree with me it's a far better exercise, a lot more fun to dream about what to do with a million dollars than to do what to do with 10, right? We want to be up there in life. We all have this in various capacities in our life, something that we aspire to, dream about, desire to be in, but when we sit back and look at it, we don't know how to get there. And as is true in most things in life, what we need to figure out how to do is to break it down into manageable steps. How to break it down into chunks to incrementally get towards where we want to be so it doesn't just remain a goal or a dream that eventually turns to resignation or regret. And I have found this to be no truer in any aspect of life than when it comes to the topic of generosity. Now, Jesus wants us to be generous, sacrificial people. I think of many of the commands of God. How about you? And many of them, especially as Jesus paints the picture, feel up there. And generosity is no exception. Jesus paints this picture for us of what the generous life looks like, the sacrificial life looks like. A life that is more concerned with God than ourselves and just as concerned with our neighbors as ourselves. But it tends to live in that place and figuring out how to get there seems insurmountable. But like other things in life, like climbing a ladder, I find that when we break it down into manageable steps, understandable chunks, incremental ways to get up, suddenly it not only becomes doable and achievable, it becomes joyful 
and free of injury. Now, there's a book that I would love for all of you to read. It's called The Generosity Ladder. And we got about 100 free copies on the table right there. And I seriously encourage you, pick one up for your family and give it a read. All of our leaders here at Fellowship of Faith have been reading it and ask them what they think about it. I think it's going to be helpful for you. And it lays out a way for going about becoming the generous, sacrificial person that God calls us to be. And let me put it another way. The generous, sacrificial person that we actually want to be. Because I believe this, even for the most Scrooge-minded folks like me here in this room, there is some place in our heart where we really do delight in and want to be generous, sacrificial people. So I encourage you to pick it up, and what I'm going to share with you today is really drawing from that. Now, some of you who are veterans here at Fellowship of Faith, you've seen me do something similar to this in the past, but I have found no better way to explain it than this, and so I would like to share it again today. Be that to reinforce things that you're already doing or to those of you who are standing here on the generosity floor looking up at the call of Jesus trying to figure out how to get there. It's all about steps. So, if I may, let me share them with you. Now, all of us, and I would put money down on this with odds, I bet that all of us, in some capacity, practice generosity. All of us, in one way or another, at least one time in our life, have given to others without any tangible benefit being received back to ourselves. We've all been there. We've all done it. Whether it's giving something to a church or giving something to a charity or giving someone a present or giving someone a graduation gift or giving a dollar or five or 10 or 20 to a homeless guy sitting on the street, whatever it might be, all of us have done it in some kind of way. And yet, it can feel very difficult to know how to take that and build on that towards the generosity and the sacrifice that Jesus seeks to bring. The first step that I have found for becoming a generous, sacrificial person is this, to get regular. It sounds like a Metamucil ad. <laughs> to go from sporadic and just giving when you feel like it. Sporadic, just responding passively to the email that comes your way. Please, none to Nigeria, all right? You didn't get the joke. <laughs> to what makes you feel guilty in the moment. To who's demanding something with the loudest voice in the most upfront way at the time? To getting into a pattern. I'd like to reveal a myth to you. And the myth is that generosity just happens. In my experience, it doesn't. Becoming a generous person 
involves becoming intentional and regular in what you choose to give. Imagine if you just exercised when you felt like it. You wouldn't be a very fit individual, would you? Imagine if you practiced just when you were in the mood. You wouldn't really improve in the craft, would you? Imagine if you chose to eat right just when that food tasted good. Well, all of us would be the size of whales, right? No, you have to get intentional. You have to get regular because generosity just doesn't happen. And the first step in becoming a generous, sacrificial person is to say, I'm going to put myself on a pattern. Maybe it's every week. Maybe it's every paycheck. Maybe it's once a month. But there is a predictable, repeatable pattern by which I will give something to someone every single time. My family, we do it by paycheck. It's just kind of easy. The money comes in, there it is, you do it, boom. It's just part of the system. And it becomes so routine that you become generous without even realizing it. Now, for some of you, this will be a big first step. For some of you here, you're probably still in the pattern of being victimized by charities, playing response to assuage guilt, or seeing just what kind of excites you in the moment and giving somewhat haphazardly. Well, praise God that you are. It's a start. But may I encourage you that if you are not in a regular pattern, set it up. Get predictable. It's one of the reasons we do like automatic withdrawals and offerings here. People have found in it a pattern by which they have accountability to regular, to, to, to regular giving that draws it out again and again. You can find any way you want, but you get the point of the step. You with me? All right. But Jesus is still calling us to a pattern of generosity and sacrifice up here. Which brings us to step two on the ladder. Proportional. Moving your giving from a regular pace to a regular amount. See, some people are regular givers. And praise God that they've taken that step. Praise God that you've taken that step. But it's kind of based on what they still feel like in the moment or maybe what's available. I'll give $2 this week. I'll give $10 this week. Hey, I'll give 20 this week because we're a little bit ahead. Oh, we're back down to 50 cents. And it's all over the map. The second step that I have found to leading and living the generous life is to make it proportional to actually key your giving in to what you receive, to make it a response, if you will, that God has blessed me in this way, I will respond accordingly. God has given me this, I will respond accordingly. God has allowed blessing to come into my life through my work or through sources outside of anything that I've merited. I will give back to him in return. The easiest way that I found to do this is through a percent. To pick a percent. 
Pick a percent of your income of everything you ever get, from every paycheck to every graduation card to every ounce of birthday money to whatever blessing comes in your life to take a proportionate step. Maybe it's 1%, maybe it's 2%, maybe it's 5%. I don't know where it begins. Or maybe it's a fixed amount that's kind of close. $200, $500, $20, whatever it might be. I don't know, but to take that step. Because there's a myth I gotta share with you. And that myth is that we are as generous as we think. I love reading stats. I just find them fun. And I want to share a few with you here today. Various stats taken from various places. Let's see how the shoe fits. There was this one poll I read of teachers, and they were asked, how many of you think that you are above average at your institution? Be that a middle school, a high school, a college, an elementary school, whatever it is. Do you know how many teachers who answered this poll thought that they were above average? 94%. Hopefully none of them were math teachers. 94% of teachers believe that they are above average. I've seen this one. People polled on if they think they're good drivers. And the specific wording of the question was this. How many of you believe that you are above average drivers? 93%. And then you're like, you're out on the road? This one was interesting. It was from L.com. You know L Magazine, the fashion magazine, E-L-L-E, -L -L -E, not like the train tracks in Chicago. Um, L Magazine asked people, how many of you think you are better than average looking? All right? 82%. All right? And that's true here at FOF. I mean, you guys are a really hot bunch, all right? It is so easy to deceive ourselves, isn't it? I saw the question. How many of you believe that you are above average in your generosity? 70%. Which means there's 20% of us at least who think we are more generous than we actually are. Giving proportionally, deciding to give proportionally, is a way of guarding against the deception of our heart. And if you have not taken the step yet to sacrifice and generosity in a proportionate way, I encourage you to take that step. But some of you have already taken it, and praise God that you have. But Jesus is still calling us to something up here, which leads me to step number three. First fruits. First fruits giving. You familiar with that term? It's not one that we really use in English too much. It's a biblical term, it's an agrarian term. Here's basically what it means. In a culture, in a day and age when it's predominantly agrarian, or herds and flocks, you would take the first of your harvest, the first of the offspring of your animals, that which you are dependent on, not only for your livelihood, 
but also for investment in the propagation of future seed and future animals, and you would take the first portion of it and give it as an offering up to God. Some of you know the story of Cain and Abel, two brothers, the first actually in the Bible. One was a farmer, one raised flocks. Both brought offerings to God. Cain just found something he had, the leftovers, if you will, after he took care of his own life and offered it up to God. Abel, take the first portion. The very first that he was dependent on as an act of faith and trust to say, Lord, you've given me this and I need it. But I trust that this came from your hand and so will more. And as an act of faith, I trust it to you. That is a first fruit. And in that story, God honored the offering of Abel, not the, not the offering of Cain. Because there's a myth that's out there that says it's the amount that's important. There are some of you here who give extravagantly to this church, to other people in need. But your giving is based out of place of comfort and security. Your bills are paid. Your investments are made. Your life is covered first, and God is getting the leftovers. The Gospel writer Luke tells a story like this of these wealthy people who came into the temple and left these generous, large, amazing gifts. And then a, and then a widow came in and gave a few small pennies. But it was all she had. Putting her entire life in the hands of God and Jesus honored her. Giving is fundamentally an act of faith. It's not just giving to a need. It's not just fixing a solution. It's not just building towards a program. No, it is an act of faith. It's a way of saying, Lord, I trust you. I trust you with what I need for my life. I give it to you, oh, hoping and believing that maybe, just maybe, Lord, as you've provided for me then, you will provide for me again. It's a way of acknowledging that all that we have ultimately comes from him. I encourage you and challenge you that if you have not yet made that step to make generosity the first decision with your money and not the last. Which leads me to step four. And I don't want to climb it. Because it's high and it's scary up here. And you can ask my kids my hatred of heights. But you know where Jesus calls us, he promises to be with us? Doesn't promise ladders to stay intact. But I'm going to risk trusting it anyway. And it's called the tithe. And just so you know, tithe means 10%. Tithe is not synonymous with offering. You can give an offering and not tithe. 
But to tithe is to give regularly the first 10% of what God has given you. This was the Old Testament basis for generosity. And there's a myth I'd like to share with you. And it's that the more you have, the easier it is. Think about it this way. If I was to come down. Yeah, you know I wanted to do that, didn't you? (laughs) You and I would both agree that it is probably easier for me to take the first step on the ladder than it is for me to take the fourth step. Agreed? Then why is it when it comes to the matter of generosity, we think that higher is easier? I promise you, it isn't. I want to share a passage from Luke 16. Jesus says this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And here's the kicker. Jesus is saying this predicated on the idea that Jesus believes that everything you have fundamentally belongs to God. That we are nothing more than personal managers of God's wealth and prosperity in this world. That it's all his. I always thought this was backwards. I always thought whoever could be trusted with much can be trusted with little. It just makes more sense to me that way, but that's not how Jesus says it. Jesus and God, I find, tend to approach it from the opposite way. That God will entrust things into our hands. And he does, doesn't he? He entrusts things into our hands, no less than his dreams and his goals and his purposes for this world. He puts it all in our hands and asks us to do his will. And the way that we respond to that will often have bearing on how much more God will seek to trust us with. Parents, you found this with your kids. How much more with our Heavenly Father? I love this quote from J.D. Rockefeller. That's Elon Musk of the 19th century, for those of you who don't know. (laughs) Look at what he writes. I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which is $1.50 a week. I had to do a little conversion because I'm interested in this kind of thing, but with inflation, the first million would be about $34 million today. All right? But think about that. I would never have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary. That's why kids who are in this room, I want to speak to you. It starts right where you're at, with the first birthday check you ever receive, the first allowance money you ever get. Does mom give you five bucks a week to take out the trash? Start learning to give 50 cents on that. Make it a habit and a practice if, in fact, you want to be a generous, sacrificial person the way Jesus calls you to be. But the choice is yours. You can keep everything to yourself, live for yourself, and hoard it to yourself. There is a life plan that way. I think you'll regret it 
Start now and adults, wherever you're at, who are making hopefully far more than $5 a week. Dare to take a step. Dare to take a step. If you are a proportional first fruits giver, listen to Jesus' call saying, come, follow me. Now think about that. And I think about how I was raised. I grew up in a Christian home. I, I grew up in a split home, a very Christian mom, a very secular dad. But from mom's point of view, tithing was always a part of life. I just kind of grew up into it. It was as natural as natural could be. But I was always left with the assumption, no fault of my mom, no, this is all me, but just the assumption that that was it. That God calls me to tithe, done, period, finite. But the more I've read the Bible, the more I've realized God does not operate that way, the more I've realized that there's always new rungs to be discovered on the ladder, new dreams and horizons we haven't yet seen, which brings me to the fifth rung I want to share today. I'm just calling it over and above. And it counters a myth that God just wants me to tithe. That there are times and circumstances and ways that you can see from the people of the Old Testament all the way through 2022 today, where people have been moved beyond it in extra generous sorts of ways, extra sacrificial sorts of ways to take. Another step. And it's scary. And we don't know how we're going to get there. And we don't know what it's going to cost us. But I tell you, God calls us higher. All right, I'm getting down. <laughs> and maybe the man, like, I'm sweaty. Huh? And maybe that's a metaphor. Maybe we take steps at times and it's scary up there and we can only hold on for a certain length of time and we got to step down and go, okay, okay. But realizing that the more we do it, the more comfortable we get, the more confident we get to keep climbing every step of the way. <laughs> you saw that, didn't you? God has a dream. He has a dream that we would be like him because you're not going to outbeat God in terms of sacrifice and generosity. God is a God who gives us all. I love how Romans 8 puts it. He who did not spare his own son, but gave up his very own son for us all, how will he not graciously also give us all things? God is a generous God. And those of us who claim to be followers of his son are enraptured by his countercultural way of life. And so I encourage you today to take steps in discovering what it means to be generous, sacrificial, 
people. Now I can talk at length about so much more, so many more details, so many pushbacks, so many what ifs. I'm going to leave that to one-to-one conversations if you'd like to have them and to the book that I encourage you to read. Let me instead leave you with a final thought. This is from Ignatius Loyola, you know, the mascot of Loyola University. This 16th century follower of Jesus simply writes, when I am called before the divine tribunal, very 16th century, who talks about tribunals anymore, right? Isn't that great? But when I'm called before the judgment seat of God, before his heavenly court, right? What will I wish I had done with my worldly goods? His answer, this certainly is what I ought to do at the present moment. Each of you here are at different places on this ladder. Dare to make faith real and open a conversation with God that takes you out of your comfort zone to a new step of joy, sacrifice, and generosity with him. And I tell you this, I don't think you regret you did. I don't think you'll regret that you had. I don't think you'll regret that you did. It will be scary. It will be. I promise you. But more so, I promise you, this God will be there. And if He is calling you, He is faithful. And one of the most exciting adventures of faith. is daring to trust and live like he actually is. Hopefully, some of this here today has given you insights into what it means to lead the generous, sacrificial life. I'm going to invite the band to come on stage. Who wants to see Steve sing from the top of the ladder? I'm going to invite you to rise with me, if you would. Here you go, Justin. Thank you, brother. I want to leave this slide on the screen just for a moment. I want to use it kind of like as a prayer point. And I want to let Loyola's question serve maybe as a question to each of us today. Ask yourself, when I'm called, to stand before God, to answer to him, Lord, how have I treated that which you have given me? What will I wish that I had done with my worldly goods? Let's just pray. Let's take a moment and wrestle with that question in your heart and dare to have that open conversation with God, however that looks along the way. Lord, here we are. Meet us in this place. Not just in the stillness of our mind or maybe racing ones, 
and in our hearts. Lord, we want to be generous, sacrificial people. We want to honor you. We want to live more for you than for ourselves. We want to live as much for others as ourselves. And even when we don't want to, we know that you want us to. And Lord, simply, sometimes just simply wanting what you want, even if we don't want it, is a sign that you're at work. Meet each of us in this place. Lord, we want to take steps, but it's scary. It is, Lord, it's scary and it's hard. What if I fall? What if I don't make it? What if I don't like it up on that rung? We ask ourselves these questions, God, and we're plagued by them. But you dare us to trust you, even to test you, to put our lives in your hands and our money too. Help us in this way, each and every one of us. Meet us wherever we're at. And may we respond to that call. Come, follow me. God, we thank you for the ways you bless us so lavishly. May our generosity be an expression of gratitude from our hearts. Amen.